0: Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. On this wonderful Saturday afternoon, we're here to talk Minnesota Vikings. And uh, have we got a show for you? We have three themes, as usual. First one is the Kevin O'Connell error starts with a bang. Absolutely fantastic. We have a section of quick hitters where we're going to hit different topics real quickly to see how well things have gone and are going and then we'll finish up with the third theme, which is your preview of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Eagles. So get ready. Let's get this party started. Climb in the pocket. A. The Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents two old bloggers hey everybody it's dave here darren over there we are about ready to get this show started but first darren how are things in the great white north good pretty
1: good dave but uh saturday is just the day well in this case two days before the vikings football so uh um i'm uh, raring to go to talk about the vikings and uh what happened last week, and what I think uh-huh. what we think is going to
0: happen this week. It's good, and uh, I'm ready to get it started. So let's switch over screens. I want to say hello first off to everybody that's in the chat already. Mary, Dan, Gmac, welcome to the show, guys. Lene, good to see you again, Raymond, oh. my buddy. How are you doing today? The show today. I titled Ready Again. Are they ready? I put the big man on there, Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips had a good game this last Sunday. He came to play, and he absolutely did, and he will need to do that again on Monday night when we meet the Eagles in Philadelphia. should be a good game, and we'll get into it momentarily. As soon as I scroll down, Theme one. You wanted to talk about this man. I did, but but first, uh, Dave. Remember uh, a few
1: years back when uh, Aaron Rodgers was at the press conference and he was drinking this Grape Seven Up. Uh and everybody yes. thought he was like trolling. Well, here's mm-hmm. what I think Kirk Cousins should have done or Kevin O'Connell should have done at their press conference. They're gonna crack open uh the Mountain Dew, Dew
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> Dew. Skull ribbon. Oh yes. Good vibes, G Mac. Good vibes. We had good vibes. Screw you, Aaron. Take that. <laughs>
1: But yeah, Kevin O'Connell, really, Dave, could the 2022 season have gotten off any better than it did last Sunday, man? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't think so. Like Kevin O'Connell's first regular season game as a head coach, his team looked sharp. They looked energized. They were disciplined. They beat a divisional foe and the NFC North champion last year. And they did it like in convincing fashion, 16-point win. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had a win uh, by that margin over that team from Wisconsin since that photo you got up there now. Well, good old case, 16 to nothing back in December of 2017. But remember, in that game, it was Brett Hotrod Hunley who was the quarterback. It was not Aaron Rodgers. So the 16-point win on Sunday was the biggest margin of victory for the Vikings since Aaron Rodgers became a starting quarterback for the for the Packers back in 2008 and really uh you have to go back a long long time David Uh, I looked it up uh October 21st 2001 the Vikings beat that team from Wisconsin uh 35 to 13 uh that was the that up until last Sunday that was the biggest margin of victory for the Vikings over the Packers so it took us uh like (laughs) however long that is <laughs> no.
0: well yeah. 2001 yeah. to 2022 you do the math it's yeah. simple 21 two years two decades
1: yeah two mm-hmm. de- over two decades since we put on a beatdown like that on the packers so well done vikings and if you're not a happy vikings fan right now well i think you should start cheering for another team man because there's not, there's not a whole lot to complain about and uh, that was really to me that was like the the best the Vikings have looked again the most disciplined prepared focused energized team I've seen since that 2017 season and uh you know and you they started out the game just the way you'd want they they get the ball first play go on a 10 play 78 yard drive get a touchdown immediately put Green Bay on their heels and they were on their heels the rest of the way and um You know, no late game collapse. We have a where we have a commanding lead, and then we start giving up oodles of yards, big plays, and points. Defending the win. yeah. Yeah. Defending the win, that became like a that was like a like a hallmark of the Mike Zimmer teams the last two or three years. None of that. That didn't you know we didn't have to sweat out, sweat it out at the end of the game, biting our fingernails, wondering if how did we get in this position again where we were in charge in command of a game and now we're on the verge of losing it. That did not happen.
0: <laughs> not even However close. However Um What was it in the beginning of the third quarter ish? I'm trying to remember what it was. But when the Packers finally did score, everybody went, Oh no, is it going to happen again? And then, no, the Vikings went down and, and scored again. No, and
1: no, it didn't. And uh, so, again, you know, great signs there throughout the game for this Vikings team in that first game. And uh, I'm not often a whole lot, right, a whole lot, David. But uh, last week I talked about how I thought that this was a good time to face the defending NFC North champions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't have Devontae Adams. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably wouldn't have a whole lot of chemistry with his young receivers, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Um, he'd be facing a three-four, three-four defense uh, with Ed Donatel uh, when uh, he'd been facing Mike Zimmer's four, three for the past eight seasons. I thought, I thought that he wouldn't. He'd struggle a bit. That the Green Bay offense, in particular, wouldn't look sharp, and they did not look sharp. And Aaron Rodgers did not look sharp. He looked out of sorts all game, and um, and so hey, a prediction that Darren Campbell got right. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is my favorite picture i found of the week
1: yeah um, there, there was uh, quite a few shots uh of uh after plays of rogers looking uh not uh, very happy about things so that was always good uh you know i thought and the defense whereas rogers that's about the worst i've seen him look ever against the mm-hmm. vikings uh for a whole game um but really you know for the Vikings defense I thought it was a really good night for them uh, and I thought the three big free agent pickups Zedaria Smith Harrison Phillips who you just head up there earlier and Jordan Hicks all had impactful games of course Zedaria Smith had that sack that short-circuited a, a potential scoring drive for that team from Wisconsin in the first half where he like a, did a huge bull rush to get to the quarterback and then and and then you know he had that he had a key play on the stop on the goal line stand, um, or he was a factor there. Harrison Phillips, I thought, you know, he's a guy that's not going to get a lot of stats a lot of times, but when he was in the game, he was taking blockers. He was not getting moved off his spot, and, uh, and that's and what he, he's and got he to do.
0: actually was pushing quite a bit yeah. of the time, too, and it's, it's, it was wonderful. And uh,
1: Jordan Hicks, you know, he could have, he had struggled in pass coverage at times, but still 14 tackles at keys, you know, a Ma- sack. It mm-hmm. was, was him and three or four other Viking defenders were, right. were there as well. Total but, of four, but. Yeah, but he got in there. He created that strip sack that Dalvin Tomlinson recovered. Dalvin Tomlinson also had a very good game pressuring the, the passer, I thought. And uh, so they were very impactful, and that's what you want. You get your free agent signings, and, and they make an impact. They sure did. And and again, how about how about that goal line stand in the first half? Uh, there's no way last year that that soft, soft Vikings-run defense is stopping A.J. Dillon, 240 pounds of him. At the goal line, like the Vikings did last week, AJ Dillon last year is going in untouched and the score is seven, seven, and we got a tie ball game, uh-huh. not, not last week. So, uh, that was, that was big, uh, you know, the concerns about the Viking starters, not playing in preseason, not being sharp. That didn't turn out to be a factor. Kirk Cousins looked sharp. Hunter looks sharp. Kendricks looked sharp. Harrison Smith looked great. Justin Jefferson was outstanding. Zedarius Smith, Hunter Phillips, uh, Harrison Phillips, thought, like uh, Tomlinson looked sharp. You know, like they just, it was not a factor. So, uh, there's some great, great signs from that game, David. Uh, Vikings probably aren't going to go. Despite that, you know, it's the first game. You can't really get all hot and bothered about whether it went week well one is went- for
0: <laughs> overreaction.
1: Yeah, I, I try not to do that. Wacky things happen. Um, the Vikings probably aren't going 17 and 0 <laughs> this year. Uh, they're going to have some ups and downs, uh, I think. But uh, and they won't have uh, guys like Christian Watson dropping surefire touchdowns every uh, in other <laughs> games. But um, and Green Bay is despite not looking very good last game, I think that they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to figure it out. Uh, Uh They've they've got the strong defense. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They've got a very good run game. They're going to figure it out. Uh, They're still, I believe, going to be a factor in this race, but the Vikings can't worry about what the Packers do in the 15 games that they don't play them. They've got to worry about controlling what they can control, and that is playing well. And I think that, If they play, you know, if they play games where you don't turn the ball over, you can commit very few penalties, only three last game. You start quick on offense and get a lead and force a team to play uh, catch up early on. You have a defense that makes it tough every offensive play to score. And hey, if you keep a team to 20 points or less. The Vikings are going to win a lot, a lot of football games in 2022, and they're they're not going to have to worry about the Packers and what they're doing because they're going to win 12 or 13 games playing mm-hmm. like they did last Sunday. Uh, they did it one one week. Now we got to see if they do it consistently for the next 16 weeks and beyond, but very, very encouraging signs, David, and I'm sure you agree 200%.
0: Oh, I do. I do. It, it, last Sunday was absolutely wonderful, and to see them play so well, Together, yeah, there were some hiccups. Yeah, there were some rookie mistakes when it came to Ingram and you know Bradbury was Bradbury and stuff like that. But overall, it was a wonderful, wonderful plan. They even dialed it back a little bit in the second half. They only out of all those pressures that they got on Rodgers, they only blitzed three times the entire game. Just three. All that pressure was by the base guys, the base, it was generally Tomlinson and Phillips, and then uh, the two outside rushers, Smith and Hunter, because they were – you very rarely saw them with three d- defensive tackle types on there, but they were getting pressure every single time or just about every single time, and that just that frustrated Aaron Rodgers to no end. Uh, throw on top of that is receivers, you know, doing their imitations of Troy Williamson. And it was, it was just, it was fun to watch.
1: Extremely fun. It was a fun three hours, except power kept cutting out here in Yellowknife. And I missed like, like an almost like, a, at least a, like a full quarter of the game. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, hopefully not what happening Monday, Monday night yes yeah they didn't kick in very well on sunday Uh,
0: anyway we move on and we do to theme number two our quick hitters first one you wanted to talk about was this young man greg joseph numero uno Greg Joseph
1: the Vikings didn't really early in uh, the offseason they had uh, they they pick, they picked up a young kicker from Oklahoma Burkich I think and uh, as a like a token a token uh, competition for Joseph but they quickly released him and, and it became Greg Joseph's job and so he had no competition virtually all of training camp but what we heard in training camp consistently was this guy was killing it there uh, hitting field goals barely missing any didn't matter if they were short mid-range or long range he was nailing everything and uh he just looked fantastic pre-season looked pretty good too even though the vikings didn't really score a lot so he didn't get used a whole lot but uh but uh Preseason training camp, fantastic by all accounts from Greg Joseph. Of course, David, though um, that was happening when nothing was on the line, right. nothing, <laughs> because he, his job wasn't being challenged, uh, so he didn't have to look over his shoulder. He knew he had his job. Uh, and in preseason game, you miss a kick, you know, big whoop. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, Greg Joseph has got a big, big, huge leg. He can
0: hit long field goals. Well, he, he tied a Vikings record. With was it fifty six yards? I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, and there was plenty of room. He could have gone ten yards further, easy. Yes,
1: Uh, like he again. He's got the big, big leg. But last year he did miss some. He got into as kickers seem to do. He got into some like he he missed some key kicks at times some extra points he missed i think four throughout the season four or five um he get the yips a little bit um and viking fans you know uh be thanks to gary anderson and blair joseph uh, blair, blair joseph I hate blair it Wall. That
0: you made me make this slide
1: <laughs> yeah and those uh, i didn't make you dave <laughs> but uh, but yeah i get it uh but you know thanks to those guys and some other kickers in between uh-huh. uh liking fans uh place kickers give give us heartburn
0: oh, yes, and we do.
1: sort of always believe always think that they're going to let us down when it you know when it and matters it counts. and a,
0: and yeah. joseph may set us up for that you know anderson made all his kicks mm-hmm. so it lasts.
1: is true but you talked about that 56 yarder and, and in the, the green Bay game, you know, he had a couple of very short chip shot field goals, a couple extra points. He nailed those. But the thing that really stood out to me was that 56 yarder, uh, like I like, maybe we shouldn't kick this field goal. You know, uh, if we'll be giving, if, if Joseph doesn't make it, we're going to be giving green Bay the ball in like prime field position. It's 70 to nothing at that point in the time. Don't give him a short field, but Kevin O'Connell clearly has been watching him all training camp and preseason. He's, he's believed, he, yeah, he believes what he's seeing there. He he was very confident. There was no hesitation putting Joseph in there, and Joseph just went in confidently, nailed that fifty-six yarder, like you said, with plenty of room to spare. And just looking at that one kick, it's only one kick, David, but that you know that kind of confirmed to me that you, you know the preseason and his training camp that what we've been hearing about is not a mirage that. Greg Joseph, is he is going to be a strong place kicker for us this year. He set up for a big, big year. And uh, I think that, yeah, uh, all the to- hype in preseason looks like it's warranted. And, Blair Ju- and Greg Joseph is going to be a guy who's going to be a real asset for us uh, and, uh, of course, next this week coming, he's going to be the first kick outdoors in Philly. Sometimes the conditions aren't that great there. We'll see how things go. But I think Greg Joseph is looking pretty, pretty good.
0: Well, speaking of the conditions, I looked at the weather. Forecast is partly cloudy. It should be about 80 degrees at uh, kickoff, slowly dropping into the 70s throughout the game, and winds light. Anywhere from about eight miles an hour to twelve miles an hour, so so pretty good conditions overall. Good conditions for a kicker, and for the and for his the bodyguard ball. there. That has to be the biggest uh, holder I have ever seen.
1: Ryan Wright, yes, who also uh, was pretty solid. He was solid
0: too. Um, yep. He dropped what. Three out of the four inside the twenty, something like that. Um, he didn't. He didn't put that all that often. But when he did, they were they were money. And he had two long bombs. And he still averaged like forty six yards. And it is just, ah, yeah. uh, I, I, our kickers right now, whether it's the new coach and how he deals with him, be it the special teams and O'Connell versus Zimmer, who we knew couldn't stand kickers, wanted them to be. Out of his sight, you know. Um, I don't know what it is, but the guys are doing great, and I don't want it to stop at all. Partly, GMAC, partly cloudy with a chance of ugly. Well, you know it's going to be that way from the fans, especially when they've been drinking all day to get ready for the night game. A pleasant bunch, the Philly fans. Yes. Your next check on this uh, deal was... The multiple sacks. The bye bye blitz.
1: Yeah, yeah well, the bye bye blitz, like the Vikings got uh, four sacks against that team from Wisconsin on Sunday. They pressured Aaron Rodgers numerous times beyond that. But like you said, uh, I was trying to, I'd seen the stats somewhere earlier in the week. It was on an ESPN story and I couldn't find it. So I'm glad you mentioned it, David, that, that the Vikings, but uh, to, even getting that pressure, to get that pressure, Ed Donatel did not blitz. Hardly at all. Hardly three at all. times, like
0: three, like three times, the whole game.
1: Three which times, is so, amazing, amazingly so, low. Amazingly low. So they he only rushed four. sometime the odd time three, uh, and for them to get that kind of consistent pressure um, is very very encouraging for this defense. I think keeping in mind again, uh, Green Bay did not have Elton Jenkins, uh, and they did not have David Bakhtiari on the offensive line. And that's two huge parts of that offensive line, but still uh, pretty impressive that Ed Donatel's unit could generate that amount of pressure without blitzing. Again, I I think pretty important. Uh, That means you got seven guys you can have in coverage Mm -hmm. uh, instead of having only six, or sometimes if you add a little bit others, only five, right? Uh, right? You got seven guys, then got eyes on the ball, can rally to the ball, can uh, limit the short stuff, uh, snuff out screens. Um, And um, for a team who is, I think, uh, particularly on the corners, I think there's some, some question marks about how strong our back-end uh, could be and that it might be the weak link in this defense mm-hmm. to have only have to rush for and get great great pressure still that's going to help them a lot too and it certainly i think it did help in the green bay game along with the fact that rogers just didn't trust any of his wide receivers at all uh, aj dylan <laughs> was aj dylan was their leading leading catcher uh, well he basically was,
0: grounded watson after yeah. that first drop he didn't throw to him for like three quarters no. After that, it just no.
1: And you knew, and you knew he wouldn't too because yeah, he yeah. You even, saw it. He,
0: you saw him throw the fit, and yeah. it was just like we've got him beat. Yeah. At that point, we have him beat. Now let's start running up the score and make this even more joyous. It's like putting frosting on a cake. Oh, yeah, I got a little bit on there, but let's put more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: but uh, I'm telling you, if the Vikings can I'm, – I'm sure it's not going to happen all the time, but uh is going to be very content – to stick with seven guys back there mm-hmm. playing zone eyes on the ball rushing for getting that kind of pressure not having to send an extra guy or two or send a, a corner on a blitz but drop back a defensive lineman mm-hmm. into coverage i uh, don't you know if he doesn't have to run a whole lot of tricks and games uh, he won't yeah he won't and uh, and it's and again that's only going to help the vikings on the back end, where, again, there are some questions about how good we, we
0: are. I think it was O'Connell that said, it was either O'Connell or Donatel?" that they got into the second half and they were dominating so much. They literally held stuff back. They go, we'll just save it. We'll yeah. just keep doing what we're doing, show nothing more new. We'll just keep it in our bag of tricks and we'll go on, which I think is fantastic because you know the bag of tricks stays full. It doesn't go on tape for, you know, the Eagles or any of the other teams we play to look at. So, by all means, if they can keep this up, if they can pressure with those normal, and I know we're in a 3-4, but we're basically playing with Thomas and Phillips, Smith and Hunter. If those guys can keep up that steady pressure, great, because that does help the backfield. And it, and it shortens the time a quarterback can hold the ball because Smith and Hunter, as we saw, were in there like that. Uh, if I remember correctly, Rogers was getting the ball out in like two and a half seconds, which is lightning fast, and still not making things work. And it's just they had a total of 18 pressures with four sacks as part of that. So not bad. Not a bad day's
1: nope. work. Not bad. And and we like, and we also like the fact that, you know, that kind of pressure only rushing four allows our, our, the Vikings to continue to run the two deep safety look uh, like they did pretty much the whole game. So again, that's going to discourage teams from trying to take the top off of the defense and they're going to try to. To, you know throw a lot of short stuff which again if you got seven back in theory you can you got several guys to rally to the ball limit the yards after the catch and all that stuff so a lot of good things happen when you you can generate pressure with the minimum amount of guys
0: mm-hmm. drew I did see your question about slowing down hurts we will get to that we have not forgotten next that's a very on, important thing <laughs> yes. next on your uh, hit list was <laughs> Not three deep, but one deep. Yeah. With this guy.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I, Justin Jefferson was outstanding on Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, it did everything we, we wanted to. Uh, but it seems unlikely, David, as good as he is, that he'll average uh, nine catches, 185 yards, and two touchdowns every, every single game. week. <laughs> although although that would be really nice. Uh, that would be, be awesome. nice. Uh,
0: but uh, If he didn't win the MVP then, something's wrong in the world. No, well, yeah, well,
1: um, exactly. Um, but uh, maybe I don't think it's lost in that. But it, uh, the Vikings, uh, outside of Justin Jefferson, the Vikings wide receivers, uh, didn't really make get a chance to make much of an impact. Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne, between them, caught six passes for 50 yards total. Um, Jalen Rager, the new acquisition, the uh, didn't play an offensive snap. He just returned punts. Uh, so, uh, you know, looking at that, uh, they didn't, that wasn't necessary, but we know that Adam Thielen is getting a little long in the tooth for a wide receiver. Uh, He's 32. We know that KJ Osborne uh, came out of nowhere last year, uh, and became a solid uh, number three wide receiver for us, but I, I think there, you know, there might be in the back of Viking fans' minds, it might be, was he a one-year wonder? Can he follow
0: that up with, you know, an even better or just as good 2022? And we heard how good he was throughout camp, that he has yep. taken that step. But we didn't see it because Justin Jefferson was hogging all the ball.
1: Well, yeah, Justifying when you're that least. wide open – when you're that wide open throw it to him <laughs> and you know but, but and and then Jayler Rager is a you know um, a disappointing first rounder mm-hmm. uh, who's got a reputation for dropping having a lot of drops and he's looking for a you know a second chance in Minnesota and he's our number 4 guy so uh did are there you concerns? get to
0: see the one punt return where he yes. caught it was grabbed he took the guy threw him to the ground and then he got like four or five more yards
1: after that I did see that,
0: and uh, to uh, me, I like that attitude because he should have been tackled where he caught the ball, but yeah. he's like, "No, I'm going to get some yardage today," and throw him to the ground. I'm, yeah. I'm cool with that. That's cool. I'm hey, if it works, that's
1: great. Okay. I, uh, but uh, with that low production from KJ and Adam, uh, I, you know, per- perhaps there's again a little bit of a concern that. If Justin Jefferson, if there's that game where, let's say, he's only catching six balls for 100 yards uh, <laughs> if, uh, you know, or uh, he's not quite as dominant as he was against that team from Wisconsin, are, is, is Adam, Adam Thielen, is K.J. Osborne, are they going to be, when teams devote extra attention to Justin Jefferson to stop him or limit him, can these other guys step up and pick up some of the slack or a lot of the slack?
0: Well, I do uh, believe – Kevin O'Connell has designed the offense that way I think I, the first read may be Jefferson yeah but if why Green Bay didn't defend against Jefferson hey we don't know that sound that looked and sounded stupid um they defensive back their best corner even complained about it mm-hmm. but you know there are going to be teams that say no we got to take Jefferson We're going to put two guys on him all times, maybe three, right? That's going to open up Thielen, Osborne, Irv Smith Jr., Cook out of the backfield or whatever. And I do believe if I read O'Connell right, the primary focus is, yes, is Kirk, we want you to focus on Jefferson because he's our best player, right? Is he open? If he's not open, and you're seeing double coverage, triple coverage or whatever, that means while the other guys are open, look you know, left, right, where's Thielen, where's Osborne? Boom, boom. That's your next primary read. Go there. And I think probably we'll start seeing it Monday, how uh, Philly plays against the offense and how they match up against Justin Jefferson. How are they going to tackle that? Because if you do the whole uh bill belichick philosophy of take out their best guy you're taking out jefferson right and the opposite of that the only other way you could possibly win is you take out everybody else but then if you do that like basically green bay did you get killed because Justin jefferson and kirk cousins are going to light you up so
1: and i'm uh you know, I asked the question rhetorically: Should we be concerned? Uh, and and I'm I'm not. I, I think mm-hmm. with with uh, Adam Thielen, previous three years, twenty plus touchdown catches, and you know you know I think he's still got mm-hmm. some good football in him. KJ Osborne, like you said, all indications from training camp, uh, was that that he looked better than he did last year. Uh, he's a kid that had to work extremely hard to get where he is. And I don't think that he's, that work ethic has obviously not left him. I think that, you know, he's going to be fine. And, uh, you know, Irv Smith, uh, he's certainly, we're going to see him more involved in the passing attack than he was last week uh, when he didn't ke- catch any balls at all. But part of that might be because they're easing him into things still with the thumb issue. And even Dalvin Cook only had three catches for 18 yards. He wasn't, they didn't need him in the passing game. But certainly, if he's required to get the passing game going, he's more than capable, which is a long way of saying, David, that uh, I think the Vikings have plenty of weapons besides Justin Jefferson. That if a team focuses on Jefferson, these other guys are going to hurt those teams for not paying any
0: attention to them. Exactly. And I, it's a great problem to have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's and that's place. not even... And that's not even getting into
1: Jalen Rager, who is still learning the playbook. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, I, uh, we didn't really expect him to play much, if at all, other than on punt returns last week anyway. Mm-hmm. And they didn't need
0: him. Hey, Purple Hayes, how you doing? I did like uh, King of the North's week. One was awful for kickers. And then there's Greg Joseph, yes, who did outstanding. Who was just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, KJ took some solid shots he will be able to dominate in Philly 120 and a TD. I hope so. That would be a great game for him. So that now brings us to the favorite part of the show where we talk about beer. Lake Monster Brewing. Lake Monster Brewing, as we talk about every week, they are our partners at Climbing the Pocket. They are one of our sponsors. We work together to increase their business. They work with us to increase – our viewership. Um, It's a good partnership so far. We like it. We also love the product. Darren, I owe you something. I'll get to that afterwards. Um, But tonight, or today, besides what they have on tap, and as you know, we have on tap here, same stuff as last week, including Oktoberfest, because it's Oktoberfest, people. It's the season where you find your biggest Bucks them barmaids that can carry a liter, liter and a half stein of beer to you, and you have a good time.
1: You That's, get a good polka band in there too, <laughs> David. Yep.
0: And there's nothing wrong with a polka band. Um I've uh believe it or not, I've been to some beer gardens where they do play polka and it does enhance the beer drinking for some reason. <laughs> don't know why. And the beautifulness of the women. So it is us always a good thing to partake in. But what I was going to get at is they've got something special coming up. The Monster Ooh. Bash. It'll be Lake Monster and 89.3 The Current are putting together some live music. It will be on uh, coming up. Doors open at noon on October 29th. It's obviously, you know, Halloween-ish party. They, uh, they've uh they got live bands, at least of them, plus uh, DJ in-between sets to go all day. With that, they also have some special beer in the making, specifically for the Monster Bash. They have the Cask Cave, where they have eight one-of-a-kind specialty brews that they will be pulling out. These can be weird off-the-wall stuff. This could be scary stuff. This could be something surprising. But it's you got to go to find these. what these eight off-the-wall or eight Cascade beers are. They also have their Warm Apple Cider Ale. This is the one that Tyler Forniss absolutely loves and adores. Um, he thinks it's fantastic. Plus more, the regular stuff. They'll have going, but it's going to be a party all day long. So if you're wanting to have a good time and listen to some good music, drink some outstanding beers, uh, get your tickets early because this will sell out. This is a big event. It will sell out for the Lake Monster Monster Bash on 29 October. That's the day before
1: uh, the Vikings host the Cardinals at home. True, uh, so that too. Um, so you can
0: get you can get that game vibe going, get primed on top of it. Yes,
1: good David, idea. I'm glad you. you brought this in because uh it's prob- probably a far fetched idea for me but this week i finally got my passport and <laughs> and i'm like thinking now well, i've never been to a vikings game <laughs> away or live uh, away game or home game and i'm thinking that maybe this fall i'm just going to do a snap decision and go to minneapolis and maybe i'll go for the october 30th game and go
0: to the monster bash on the 29th you do that we'll talk about that afterwards um But that is Lake Monster right now. They're doing some wild stuff. I suggest you go up and give it a try. It's great friends, great beer, and you always have a great time. Now on to theme three. This is where we're looking at the preview of the Minnesota Vikings at the Eagles on Monday night. Monday night. First off. Before Darren gets into what he has listed in the planning, I want to go through our normal slides. You guys will see this as the week goes, weeks move on. We have our injury report. I took this off of yesterday's injury report. It has since been updated. The slide has not. Vikings. Andrew Booth has been ruled out. Kevin O'Connell gave his presser this afternoon. Andrew Booth is ruled out. Everybody else is in. Eagles. Landon Dickerson was only out limited yesterday for an illness. He's good. They are all in. So the only person that is out on either team will be Andrew Booth. And Andrew Booth's working on getting better. Heal, brother. Heal. Because we could use him. Mm-hmm. We'll first go over these are the normal slides you'll see every week. They've got true data in them. The problem is it's only one week. That's a small sample size. So you've got to take it with a huge grain of salt. Um, but what we show you on a regular basis is we put the offense against the defense and the defense against the offense and then the special teams. We break it down by three different sources. We have PFF on the top. They do their overall rankings. They've got our offense as 8th. They've got their defense as 7th. That makes for a pretty good matchup. But that differs greatly with the next section, which is football outsiders and their DVOA, right? DVOA has our offense second in the league and their defense 21st. Um, And you can go down and you see how it breaks down by pass and run. Then we use Elias sports numbers. These are your box score numbers. When you look on ESPN, when you look on NFL.com, when you look on CBS, Elias is the sports bureau, the official recorder of stats for the NFL. These are the ones that are making it, you know, into how many yards, passing, rushing, um, sacks, all that sort of stuff, points. When you're looking at the normal, what we used to call, you know, just straight out of the newspaper stats, box score stats, this is where Elias comes in. And you can see here, our offense is number eight in yards, nine in passing, 11 in rushing, 12 in points, first in sacks, meaning um, they didn't have any last week. Uh, Their fourth in, oops, didn't want to do that. Fourth in turnovers was zero, Um, and how they do that um, is interesting. But you get over on the Philly side, and their defense isn't so great. They're 22nd, 11th against the pass, 28th against the rush. Keep that against the rush in mind because uh, that may be a key to the game is that they're not so good against the rush, and Detroit took advantage of that. sacks. They are 27th, they only had one. Turnovers are 21st, they had one. And takeaways, they are plus one. We get on the other side of the ball, Vikings defense against their offense. Again, relatively easy match. Football Outsiders has their offense a little bit better than our defense. But we're still talking one game's worth of sample size. This won't get anywhere close to what it should be until probably about four, five, six games in. And then you look at yards, right? Their offense, will you quit moving? <clears> the <throat> slide keeps moving. Um, their offense is second in uh, yards produced. And a good chunk of that is because of Hurts um, and a running game. Because it's not their passing game. Their passing game's middle of the road. Hurts passing is middle of the road. And so, one thing I didn't include here was a quarterback versus quarterback comparison. Um, Sacks, they've given up one turnovers. Zero. We happen to be plus two on the takeaways. Um, For us, we're higher up on the sacks. We've had four. We're ninth on turnovers. We forced two turnovers. You can also see the over under and the line there. That was when I did this yesterday where it was sitting. I don't know if it's moved since. Um, But like I said, I will be adding the quarterback versus quarterback into the mix. Right now, you could consider Kirk Cousins as a better quarterback than Hertz. However, Kirk Hertz is a better, much better running quarterback than uh, Kirk. And
1: then oh, the final
0: yeah. slide the special teams, right? And this is DVOA, and this includes all the special teams that go into the ranking. But I'll show the kickers up there. Present, we're, presently, we're fifth. We talked about how good Joseph is. And Wright is doing well, but the rest of the special teams is doing also outstanding, except for when a certain Andrew Booth gets hurt. Um, Hopefully, he'll heal up quick. So those are the normal slides we see every week. And now we get into Eagles versus the Lions.
1: Our game preview, Dave. Both teams looking to go to two and zero after winning the season opener, and um, the Vikings are coming off, of course, the impressive win over a thirteen and three team last year and a preseason Super Bowl contender. Uh-huh. And the Eagles beat Detroit. <laughs> so, the, so uh, there you have it. Uh, uh-huh. Very different wins on your team resume. Uh, uh-huh. One beats uh, Green Bay, and the other
0: beats Detroit. Detroit. But. It is. What it, it barely is. beats Detroit. Well, no, yes. they were up quite a bit. They let they were Detroit up. get back in. Yeah, thirty-one
1: to fourteen at one point, um, and let them get back in the game. But but yeah uh, it's still again first game preseason openers and all weird stuff happens what can you do? really you can't jump to a whole lot draw any conclusions from that i guess still going to take four or five weeks to figure out how good or not so good these teams are what they do well what they don't do well uh and uh yeah gmac uh i would agree with you on that one uh but um uh, for the Vikings, Drew mentioned it earlier. Big focus has got to be the guy pictured here, Jalen Hurts, number one. Um, last week, he hurt the the, the Lions uh, with some design scrambles uh, off of the the Eagles' effective run-pass option looks that they use. Uh, he hurt them with some jailbreak plays too, uh, where he was escaping Lions. The lines got pressure, and he just did a Houdini act and outran mm-hmm. it, uh, outran them, and got some big games there. Uh, when it looked like he was in big trouble, uh, he escaped. And again, they only got sacked that you know that one time. So, uh, get this, David, uh, Jalen Hurts last week rushed seventeen times. Seventeen. Wow. For 90 yards, that's a lot for a quarterback. That's mm-hmm. a you know, that's like Lamar Jackson territory. And he looked a lot like Lamar Jackson last week as far as his capability, his explosiveness on his plays, uh, tough to bring down. He also took a lot of hits, which I don't think the Eagles are gonna they're gonna have to watch out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's their offense. You know the the Eagles. That's what the offense likes to do, based on what we saw last year. They like to run the RPO. You don't know whether Hertz is going to keep it and go, or whether they're going to give it to Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell or Scott. Uh, and it keeps the defenses, you know, it, it it makes them hesitant. They can't attack like they want to, and um, and you know, uh, it. And by getting those positive, good gains running, it prevents them from having to rely on Hertz having to throw, throw the ball on, yeah, throw it a lot and throw it in like long down and distant situations, which is not his forte. Uh, uh, last year, he only completed 61% of his passes. Uh, he was a great running quarterback, but he had a lot of games or several games where the passing was, was you know, it just wasn't up to par. And uh, he's, he struggles with making the tough throws, like the intermediate to long throws, he struggles with that. And last year he held on to the ball, I think, over three seconds on average, which was the most in the NFL. Um, so as a for the Vikings, they want to force Jalen Hurts to beat them with his arm, not with his legs. Right. Um, uh, one thing that the Lions did last week, and it didn't turn out to work out very well for them, Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, blitzed Hurts 15 times. Uh, only Pat Mahomes, and this is hard to figure out, and that wasn't successful easier either. Only Pat Mahomes was blitzed more last week okay. amongst quarterbacks, uh, and yeah, it didn't work for the for the Cardinals last week against Mahomes, and it certainly didn't work for the Lions against Hertz. Again, uh, Hertz ran for 90 yards, uh, ran the ball 17 times, so. You know, looking at that, and based on what the Vikings did last week against Aaron Rodgers, who is a mobile quarterback but Mm -hmm. not a guy who scrambles, um, I don't think Ed Donatel is going to blitz at all. Uh, He's going to very little.
0: He'll pick his places. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: But if he, he he's going to again depend on getting pressure with four guys, having seven guys with their eyes on Jalen Hurts. Allow those seven guys to rally to the ball and rally to Hertz when he breaks off and runs. Because uh, Hertz, one thing that you'll notice when you watch him is that it doesn't take him very long to make a decision to run. Like he's not going to go through two or three or four reads if one isn't there and he thinks he's got a chance to make a run. He's, he's going to run. He's going to run.
0: Uh, Thomas That's and Raymond both talk about should the Vikings keep a spy on him? Mm-hmm. And by a spy, you dedicate an individual player specifically, to watch um, what he does. It's usually a linebacker. Now, I think this would be a perfect spot for Asamoah, but who knows? It could be Hicks. It could be Kendricks. They may play sides, but to watch him. The only problem with the spy is you're taking the spy out of pass coverage at that point. All right. He may be in a little bit of a zone type area, but he's he's relatively close to the line and he's literally paralleling what the quarterback's doing. You hope the defensive ends can hold contain. Then you don't have to worry about a spy other than other up the middle up the middle. And the linebackers should have that. Hopefully, Dalvin Tomlinson and uh, Harrison Phillips don't get pushed out of the way. I doubt they will. Um but if you can do that and you can contain him inside the pocket, make him throw, not give him run lanes, I think that makes this game more likely to win for the Vikings.
1: I, yeah, I, I think it, uh, like you were talking about, David, if you've got a spy on Jalen Hurts, um, uh, that kind of uh, – and that in some ways that uh, eliminates the whole only rush for King <laughs> seven back uh, because you've got one guy devoted just to on one guy. Uh, right. And uh, I, I think that Ed Donatel's philosophy is going to be, I'm not going to have one spy on Jalen Hurts. I'm going to have seven spies on Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the maybe they may the section in.
0: off to, to where he goes, who has the spy responsibility. Just like in a zone defense, who has responsibility for certain areas. They may say if he gets here, you now have it. You know, cornerback. You may come up, and then one of the safeties comes backfills where you're at. Who knows? You we'll know, find out. It should be now. It be. A, with, it would be an awesome game to sit there and game plan.
1: I would, I think uh, one thing about Jalen Hurts, and we talked about his struggles at times last year being an effective passer. Uh, he. Last year they didn't have AJ Brown, and last week AJ Brown had almost as good a game as Justin Jefferson had, uh, with ten catches and 150 yards. And beyond him, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Devontae Smith, those are two strong targets that Jalen Hurts has as well. So they do have they do have some good weapons that Jalen Hurts can mm-hmm. use. Uh, but and last week Jalen Hurts threw, but still threw short like he threw short a lot. Uh, I think uh, I was just looking at a stat and it was last week against Detroit. Uh, I think uh, the average depth of his throws were 47% lower than they were last year. So I don't know if that's going to be a theme, but if they're throwing short, I think Ed Donatel is going to be quite uh, confident with his defense, again, being able to rally to the ball, um, making good, uh, good good tackles and, uh, you know, avoiding a lot of yards after the catch. Uh, so, you know, I think that's, uh, something we'll see. Uh, one concern that's been brought up, uh, and I'm not saying it's not legitimate, was that the Vikings' defense, as strong as they looked last game on only giving up seven points, they did uh, allow Green Bay to give up 6.2 yards per carry. But when I, when I was watching the game, Dave, I don't know uh, when the power wasn't off. <laughs> yeah. When when I was watching the game, I, you know, I didn't feel that the Vikings' run defense. I
0: thought it was I thought it was pretty. i thought it was decent i mean they were keeping everything in front of them right yeah and and yeah they allowed some movement downfield but they were keeping everything in front of them and it i think it was on purpose you know and if a if a back got outside or whatever got through you quickly had the secondary guys come up and tackle him so it wasn't it wasn't more there was no big massive runs on sunday well yeah like uh
1: you always got to be careful with the yards per, per carry average, because uh, sometimes a long run or two can really contribute uh, mm. to it looking like huge when really the most of the runs weren't that or bad. And so yards, I took yeah. a, yeah. So I took a look uh, at every Green Bay run uh, in the play by pay uh, earlier today, just to kind of see. And, um and, there was they, the, the green bay had 18 runs if you conclude the one kneel down that rogers had at the end of the first half and green bay gained 57 of their 111 yards on the ground on that one drive in the third quarter where they scored the touchdown uh and that drive included a 29 yard gain and two 11 yard gains other than that drive <laughs> yes dan you're right they only scored seven that's all that matters other than that drive uh I You know, throughout the the, the game, thirty only 39% of the Packers running plays, or I should say 39% of the Packers running plays were for three yards or less, which I consider unsuccessful runs. So when you're looking at that, it's not like the Vikings were getting gashed on the run uh, game the whole ground. It was really only one drive where they were really bad. And we were up 20 to nothing at that point. It was in the third quarter. Um, looking at at that i believe that you know i feel a little bit better about our run defense uh, going into philly uh, and it's a concern because again philly ran for 216 yards last week against detroit on 39 mm-hmm. carries and they like to run the ball if the uh, cuz again they don't yes. want hurts to have to throw the ball 40 times a game they want to run the ball 40 times again in a game and have hurts throw 25 times a game that's their perfect formula yeah, and
0: miles sanders is one of their running backs but they mm-hmm. actually use two um, and they love to do that. Yeah, no, they do. Drink
1: a little bit more of this green Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, offensively, uh, David, I liked how the offense functioned last week against uh, the Packers Um, in O'Connell's first game. That doesn't mean there wasn't room for improvement, um they scored the 17 points in the first half but they only got six in the second half so um not you know we i think we would like to see them put up a few more points than that and some games are going to have uh i they only went for four for 13 on third downs that's got to get better Uh, that was a problem in preseason with totally different personnel on offense but still uh that's not very good um but i on the positive side, and there were a lot of positives, and I think you, again, you were bringing this up, David. I thought the offensive line, again, one of those units that we have questions about, I thought they held up pretty well against uh, you know, a difficult uh, Green Bay defense. Uh, the guy in the picture there, Ed Ingram, a rookie right guard starting his first game in the NFL. Yes, he did have some shaky moments in pass pro. He was going against one Perry. of the best defensive tackles in the league that's right um and gave okay. up the sack to Rashawn gary uh and again kenny clark had a one rep where he used a you know one of those pro moves and mm-hmm. and got i think it was a swim that he used on ed ingram and got by pretty easy but uh particularly on when the in the run game ed
0: ingram was a beast and uh <laughs> absolute beast but even in the past yeah. game he got better as the game went on he yeah. learned and he locked down if in it If you watch the game, if Ed Ingram gets his hands on you, if he grabs you up around the shoulder pads, right, down here, and he grabs you, you're not getting free. They're like vice grips. And he holds on, and he will take you until he's done with you. And so watch watch Ed Ingram come Monday night. When he's playing, watch his hands. Watch what he does, right? Because... Defensive guys are taught to, you know, do all sorts of things because they don't want the offensive line, uh, linemen, to get their hands on. Right? An offensive lineman may first shoot it out to give the uh, the initial blow to stand their guy up. Um, back in the day, we used to do it a forearm that could be done as well, but it's normally with the palm of your hands. But if they can grab on, and they usually try to grab on right here, right around the shoulder pads. If they do that, the offensive lineman wins because he can control you at that point. That's what the defensive guys are trying not to do, right? They're trying to move the offensive lineman around and not allow him to do that. Once Ed Ingram got that in last week's game, they weren't getting by him. The rest of the offensive line may have been moving back, but Ed Ingram had his guy right there. And uh, um, But he's learning. He's a rookie. You're going to have rookie mistakes. Now, this game coming up against the Eagles, they face a heck of a pass rush defensive line. And they've got three guys that are going to cause trouble.
1: That's right, and they're all there in the, in the photo. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the, the Eagles' front four they can uh, you know they can give you problems. Uh, number fifty five, Brandon Graham. Number ninety nine ninety one there, Fletcher Cox. Those are two vets. They've been around the league a long time. Mm-hmm. They're in their thirties, uh, you know, beyond their thirties actually, but they can still uh, create a lot of pressure. Uh, can uh, you know uh, get uh, create interior pressure on the interior line. And uh, they can create problems. And the, and the Vikings offensive line has got to be able to, again, keep, like they did last game, keep Kirk Cousins' pre- pocket pretty clean. So he's got time to make reads and, and hit the receivers who are open, and they will be open. Uh, you know, he just needs time to be able to do that. Uh, all Fletcher they wanna, Koch, All they, they
0: want to do is hug him.
1: Yeah, yes, that's right. Fletcher Cox and Brandon and uh, Graham have been doing this a long time. They're very good. The guy who hasn't been doing it a long time is number is 90 up there. The Jordan big monster.
0: Davis.
1: Yeah. And, Over
0: 350 pounds of and, pure muscle.
1: Yeah. And uh, last week, uh, Davis um, – when he, he didn't play much, but when he was in the game, he made a noticeable difference. Detroit, again, I'm using yards per carry average, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't go a deep dive into, into how the Detroit's uh, every rush will fared when Davis was in the game. But uh, they only averaged 2.9 yards per carry when Davis was in the game. Uh, the thing was, though, Davis was only in the game 22 snaps, and the Eagles defense was on the field for 69 snaps. So that le- has led to questions this week in the city of brotherly love about, well, why wasn't Davis in the game more <laughs> when you're getting gashed on the ground by DeAndre Swift, uh, 144 yards himself. And then Detroit had uh, like 181 on the ground in total, you know, why wasn't Davis in the game if you, if they couldn't run when he was in the game. So, uh, that may happen this week because, um, uh, because the Vikings run game was very strong last mm-hmm. week against that team from Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, they were the only guys to get carries, and they had like 28 carries for 126 yards. Not a lot of big chunk plays there, David. Uh, the longest run was 16 yards by Dalvin right. Cook. But again, I I, I think that the, uh, you know, uh, I again, I took a look at each run of the Vikings had just to kind of track things and again if you take out that final drive 345 left in the game when the Vikings were trying to kill clock and force uh, Green Bay to use their timeouts and they were we everybody knew that they were going (laughs) to run you know the Vikings offense had a successful run four yards or more I consider it 68 percent of the time against Mm -hmm. That team from Wisconsin. Again, not a lot of big chunk plays, but a lot of run plays of four yards or more, 68% of them. They only had one rush outside of that drive where it was obvious that they were running. Uh, they only had one rush where they lost yards, one tackle for a loss, and only 18% of their carries went for no game or, or a loss of yardage. So I think that seems, to me, that seems like pretty consistent, steady, and productive
0: play from the rushing game. And, and it was uh, quiet. It was yeah. quiet production. There was no yeah. real big stuff, but at nope. the end of the day, you're like, "Whoa, Dalvin Cook has 90 yards! Wow, yeah, yeah." And and
1: that that's the kind of game or better that they're going to need to have against the Eagles because uh, on the road with a loud, mouthy Philly fans all lubed up, drunk, yelling <laughs> at the, you know yelling to the as loud as they can you don't want Kirk Cousins and our offensive line to be facing a lot of third and eights so the run game is going to be a good friend of ours if they can again be the steady consistent run game or even better that we saw last week against that team from Wisconsin Uh, you know that'll help keep Cousins jersey clean too when he has to go back to pass if we're in favorable down and distance situations because the running game has been effective. You haven't been getting stuff for no gain or loss of one or two on, you know, a a large amount of your carries. Uh, The Vikings stayed out of those situations for the most part last week. And I think that was a big part of their success. And they're going to have to, like most games, that's going to be a key to them being successful in this game too, is, you know, don't be in second and 12 or third and eight uh, because your running game couldn't, couldn't generate positive yardage uh, when you ran. Um, I, I'd i also be interested, Dave. Is that uh, see you, Drew. yeah? See, you, Drew. Win.
0: Yeah, that's right. I just want to uh, know I, why it took two minutes and two seconds for a to score. Right. Um,
1: the, the other thing is, uh, like we said, Justin Jefferson. I'm sure he, if he didn't already, he got the Eagles' attention with the way he played last week. I'm sure they're going to ex- take extra attention, pay extra attention to him this week. I'll be interested to see if, like Darius Slay. They have him shadow Justin Jefferson most of the time. The Packers didn't do that. They didn't put Jair Alexander on Jefferson. Uh, They didn't allow him to shadow Jefferson last week, and that proved to be a big mistake. Uh, So will the Eagles try something different and put their best corner on our best wide receiver? The one thing I did learn is that uh, Slade does not uh, usually never plays in the slot. So if Jefferson goes in the slot. Slay will not probably not be shadowing in there only when he's on the outside, uh, which might mean that you'll see Jefferson more, more the on slot. the
0: inside. Well, yeah. Well, I, I love that last week and you didn't mention it. The fact that, and this is a Kevin O'Connellism and we got him up there. The, you know, the multiples and the moving things around, right? Green Bay didn't know what to do when they moved Justin Jefferson into the backfield. They're like, Oh shit. You know, He's in the backfield. What do we do? Is he going to come out? Is he going to run the ball? What is he going to do? And they panicked. Um, he moves people around. He put guys in motion, right, at, at different spots. And it was actually to help Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins then, when a guy goes in motion, say Adam Thielen comes across in motion, the question is, does the defensive back track with him? Does a linebacker track with him? Or does everybody stay where they're supposed to? That tells Kirk Cousins what defense they're in, what spots on the field they should run. Our our receivers are also running routes where they have um they have reads. If if a defensive back is doing this, if they're lined up right here, right, and they're coming back, I now cut in on the post. If they come over here, I now take that on a square out, right? Kirk Cousins got to know each and every receiver what their options are depending on those guys. He's got to be able to read that. So when he fall, uh, drops back and he sees the guys running, he's looking at the defenders knowing what – because he's already seen them move or not move. He knows what the de- defensive is, they're in. He knows – That the receiver's gonna read, I've now gotta switch my route from this to this because defensive back is doing whatever, right? He then knows where to throw the ball. All that works, it's that deception stuff. All that works to produce yardage. And I think we're going to see more of that. That's why if you start manning up to take away Justin Jefferson, I think then some of that goes away. But that's when you leave everybody else open. So you'll just go that way.
1: Yeah, it'll be, uh, hopefully I'll be able to pick up on it myself. But, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Kevin O'Connell's offense evolves uh, week to week. Uh, We saw a little bit of it. We saw the first glimpse of it in week one. Uh, Now teams have meaningful tape. On that offense, uh, as well as our defense, Uh, they're going to try to adjust and take some things away that we do well. So how is Kevin O'Connell going to counter that? And that's going to start on Monday night against Philadelphia. Uh, Like, what new wrinkles is he putting in that's going to surprise them, keep them off guard? Uh, Or, uh, you know, is he going to, are there going to be bread and butter plays that he uses every week because he believes that they just can't be stopped? Uh, All things that we're going to learn uh, as the weeks move on, Mm -hmm. beginning Monday night.
0: On ESPN. I wonder if I get it local. It's a good question. Um, We shall find out. Now, before we go, Raymond asked a question on blocking. I saw it, Raymond. Asked if lineman holding here is holding. No, that's not holding. I'll explain holding real simple to everybody. If a lineman grabs and he's inside the shoulder box and parallel, right, that is not holding. It'll never get called holding. Um, So he can do that, and he can control his guy. If suddenly stuff starts to change, and a referee sees the the one side, the far side shoulder come across, they're going to call holding, right? But if he's squared up, and he's got him, and generally, generally when they do that, they'll bring their elbows in. And they'll lock them in. Um, that's not holding. The beef I have with the NFL is on how Green Bay plays it with the hug, right? And they'll have their guys grab outside the arms towards the back of the shoulder pads and lock on then. And they get away with it. To me, that's holding because it's outside the shoulder, it's not inside the shoulder box. But if. Like I said, if they grab, they want to grab right here, right? That's why you'll see defensive linemen wear super, super, super tight jerseys. Um, I sent Drewster a picture of Phillips in one (laughs) and going, does this jersey make me look fat? Because (laughs) it does. It looks like it's three times too small. And the whole idea is so that the offensive linemen don't have a place to grab. They've gone to the smaller shoulder pads specifically. Um, so there's not a place to grab. You know, it's not like the big day back in the 80s when we used to, 70s and 80s, used to wear the ones that are like three feet wide, right? It's not that anymore. There, The whole idea is so the guys can't control them. If you can get your hands and lock on, you can control. And as long as you keep them in front of you, you're good. As soon as that shoulder goes by, right, and it goes by this way, that's a flag. That's holding. So I hope that helps on the explanation. Did for me. And that brings us to the end of the show. Got any last words there, buddy?
1: Well, really like the Vikings to go two uh, and um, I forget what the percentages are when you go two and O, like a, a percentage, it's this good. X percentage yeah, it, yeah. It, that make the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. So I am two and O would be great. And um, uh, I think it was I'm not sure if it was G Mac or Dan. I think it was Dan actually that mm-hmm. gave a 31 to 17 prediction uh, for the Vikings. Uh, Below and I am going. uh, I'm gonna. I am right now taking a big swig, a huge, huge swig of the Purple Kool Aid, uh, after particularly after watching their performance last Sunday. And Mm -hmm. I'm going 31 20 for the Vikes in this one, and that they get to
0: 2 0. That's bigger than I did. I did on Wednesday, and I don't remember what it was, but the Vikings win by a touchdown. I think it was 35 28 or something like that, but we'll we shall see. It all depends. Can the defense contain Jalen Hurts? Can they stop the run, make him pass? Because they have some decent receivers, but I don't think Jalen Hurts, if he throws the ball, is mediocre. Uh, His biggest threat is the ability to move and run. If you can contain that, you've got them beat. I think, I mean, we look at They let Detroit come back in and almost, you know, tie and win the game. Detroit. So, and uh, we're a lot better than Detroit. So, yes, they have, if you look at their roster, they've got a good roster. Matches up with the Vikings really, really nicely. I suspect that both teams will see each other in the playoffs. I believe Philadelphia is going to, by the way they look and by how everything is developed, they're going to win the NFC East, calling it after one week. Yes. <laughs> Philadelphia wins the NFC East. I think the Vikings are going to win the NFC Central. No. Um I'll call that one. I don't think Green Bay is going to do much better in the long run, and Chicago is a fluke. However, I hope they end up in a tie this weekend. Uh, there's, Uh And then Detroit, I think it's going to be Detroit. They're lucky if they win half their games. So I think the division is ours. And outside of that, there's not a whole lot in the NFC. Yeah, you got Tampa Bay. On the West Coast, everybody lost. You know, the Rams lost. San Francisco lost. It's, it's, it's wide open for the Vikings, knock on wood, to have one of those dream seasons. Game-changer, I love that score prediction, 38-13.
1: That'd be lovely. That'd be lovely. Lovely.
0: Yes, the North. I just like saying the Central because, you know, memory, brain cells, all that sort of thing. But you're correct, Dan. It's the North, and we shall be kings of the North this year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I like the old Norse division. But the Central, when we had Tampa Bay in there, you know, NFL uh, geography is absolutely wonderful. (laughs) But other than that, I, I encourage you, if you are in St. Paul, Minneapolis area, please do check out Lake Monster Brewing. And the 29th, the day before the 30th game, check out the Monster Bash. That looks like an absolute afternoon, evening of just... A fun time, great beer, good debauchery. Music. You know, by all means, do that. So, what have you got coming up this week, Darren? Anything up north? No, it's a uh, quiet times
1: now. I'll just be uh, tomorrow. I'll just be monitoring. The different games, just out of curiosity, you know, just to see how different teams do. I'm always interested to see how some of the contenders and pretenders fare out. Like, is Tampa Bay going to follow up their dominating performance and look super strong? and. yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, are they going to look super strong, uh, especially on the defensive side? Uh, are the, is uh, Trey Lance going to look as bad as he did last week? And and if he is, that's uh, good news because I think that uh, the 49ers have a pretty strong roster other than Trey Lance. Uh, and uh, so we want him to really bomb out. <laughs> quarterback of course if he plays too bad then they're going to bring back jimmy g and that might stabilize things a little yeah. bit but uh, uh, but anyway um but uh, yeah just to, just trying to monitor and see again uh, some of those games and if some of the things that wacky things that happened last week whether they carry over to this week um
0: yeah, so yeah and we'll uh, you see. know just wait waiting for monday night yes like we both are now, speaking of monday monday we have a double header we're going to start approximately 6 p.m. central with the Real Forno show. Tyler is going to dig into the game. Anything that's transpired between now and then, he's going to look at your betting props. Right? He'll look at the where the line finally settled. He'll look at some prop bets. You know, how many yards is Kirk Cousins going to throw for? How many yards is uh, um, Dalvin Cook going to run for? Et cetera. How many sacks is Daniel Hunter gonna get. I think the over on that right now is one and a half. I picked the over. I think he's gonna get two. I think he's gonna have an even better game. We shall see. That is Monday night. Then that rolls right into the game. Game kickoff is approximately 7 30, 7 25, somewhere in there Monday yeah. night on ESPN. It's the number one broadcast. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Um Rolls into that at the two-minute warning at the end of the game. We go live again with the final score. It'll be myself, Flip Mozzie, Matt Anderson. have already locked in our places. We may have Jason Brown, man of renowned, join us. Or we may have a guest. Who knows? Should be fun. It's going to be a great weekend. So everybody have fun. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy your favorite beverage, food. Especially your friends and loved ones. What do we say, Darren? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Mm -hmm. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.